Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Have you prayed this month? You've prayed this month. You know, have you ever met people who live, live in old glory? Have you, have you met people like that? Say, ah, when I was in primary five, I used to always confess. In fact, eh, eh, to God, verily, verily. I wish you can see my primary five teacher, Mr. Obina. If Mr. Obina should tell you about me, you will be shocked. And then for some of us, it's weight loss. You know, I lost 18 kg at one point in my life. I didn't let people forget. I said, after I had my last daughter, I lost a lot of weight. So now you're eating chocolate and a bar. <laughs> because three years ago, you lost 18 kg. <laughs> and for a lot of us, prayer is like that. Aren't you praying today? You say, ah, you see, I've not recovered my voice. Because the prayer I prayed in the month of prayer <laughs> is still effective in my life today. <laughs> There was a time I prayed, I lost my voice. There was a time it was like sweats were droplet of blood. I just realized that it was not really like blood. I was just wearing red glasses. If you see the way I prayed last month, you will be shocked. But one thing we must learn is that for prayer to be effective in your life, a prayer culture is more important than a prayer season. What did I say? A prayer culture is more important than a prayer season. And as you go about the rest of the year and the rest of your life, I'm hoping that you're not just stuck in old glory. Ah, I get before. There's a song. I get before. Now, story. No, no millennials here, sorry. Like, no, PLD is a Gen Z church. Go back to Ikeja. <laughs> but there was a song like that. I get before. Now, story. I was on a rich man. Now, story. You will not dwell in the embers of the past. Instead, there will be fire on your altar every day. And that's what God requires of you. Our lead pastor will always tell us that a person who prays 20 minutes, 30 minutes every day will have a prayer life than the person who prayed one hour, just one week. Praise the name of Jesus. So in today's service, I will teach you how to maintain the culture of prayer. Are you ready to learn that? Glory be to God. Leviticus 6 from verse 12. The NLT is giving instructions to the priest as regards the altar. And it says the fire on the altar must be kept burning. In other words, there's a responsibility to keep it burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire. So when you show up on Triumph 30 Devotion, what are you doing? You're adding what? You are adding fresh wood to the fire. And that's what God will have you do. So if your fire and the place of prayer will not go out after this month, it's your choice. Whose choice is it? Did it say the priest should pray that the fire will not go out? He said he should add fresh wood to the fire every day. So some C's, I think in the post it was five C's, right? Glory be to God, I'm going to give you six. <laughs> Hallelujah. Five plus now six, Jara. Six keys to maintaining the culture of prayer. 
Number one is consistency. I want us to quote First Thessalonians 5.17. Let me see people we need to send back to kids. First Thessalonians 5.17. Should we do it again? First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Consistency. You know, Jesus is teaching us how to pray and he says, give us this day our daily bread. And when he talks about daily bread, he's not referring to agege bread. He's referring to the fact that Jesus himself is our daily bread. Our daily conversation and fellowship with him is so important. Praise the name of Jesus. So it must be a daily thing. It must be a consistent thing. When someone asks you when last you pray, don't say, ah, it's not about that. You know, I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm one with God. He lives in me. Some of you, that's the reason why your relationship. I'm sorry. No. I'm sensing breakfast past here. Let me come here. Because the moment you told her you loved her, you didn't feel the need to tell her again. If I don't love you, will I be dating you? And so some of you carry that same thing to your relationship with God. Ah, if I'm not saved, okay. Some people are praying, but they are not saved. They are praying five times a day, but they are not saved. It's not by like that. <laughs> but you that are saved, how often are you communicating with God? So there must be a consistency. Romans chapter 12 from verse 12, I'll read the NLT. It says, rejoice in your confident hope. Be patient in trouble. I know that's not the message for today, but should I say it again? Be patient. Tell your neighbor, say be patient. Somebody's like, Peter, that's not where you're supposed to preach. Go to your point. But the word of the Lord to you today is what? Be patient. And it says, and keep on praying. Keep on praying. So there must be a consistency to prayer. Ephesians 6 from verse 18 says, praying always. Pray how often? Without prayer and supplication in the spirit and being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Praying always. It must be a consistent thing. If you don't call somebody often, you don't have a love life. Hello? If you look okay, it's your birthday. I just wanted to, you know it's not by like that. I just want to call you. It's your birthday. I'll call you next time at Christmas. You don't have a love life. If you don't pray often, you don't have a prayer life. If you only pray when you feel like it, or when it's a month where we emphasize prayer like this month, you don't really have a prayer life. So there must be a consistency and intentionality. I love the Lord, so I'm going to talk to him every day. There are battles to fight, so I'm going to make sure I show up at the battlefront every day. May it not be your prayerlessness that costs your family something in the name of Jesus. So number one C is what? Say it again. Can you say consistently? Consistency. Number two, celebration. Ah, church members, they here. All right, Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15. Paul is praying, and this is not the first time he's mentioning a prayer like this. Can we read it together? I want us to read together. All right, let's read together once you go. Uh-huh. After 
head, what does verse 16 say? This is so beautiful. He said, after I heard that you love Jesus and you love the believers, I don't cease to pray for you, making mention of you in my prayers. You have to understand that this is the efficient church we are talking about. In Acts 19 from verse 20, when the Bible says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed, what city was he talking about? He's talking about Ephesus, right? Paul knows the struggles that he went through to build that church. Are you here? It was in that same city that he was preaching every day for three months and people's hearts were hardened. It was in that same city that after the three months, eventually, he stayed for about two years and the whole of Asia heard about the gospel from him. It was in that same city that the sons of Sceva... I was to say we were made to shiver, but it went to that same city. It was in that same city that people came and they brought their curious arts and their books and they burnt all of them. 50,000 silver worth of curious arts in one day. Praise the name of Jesus. It was in that same city that Paul had to eventually leave because there was a riot. And now he's writing a letter to a church in that city. Do you get me? If you were conscious enough of the goodness of God, you will pray more. There are so many things in your life now that God has done, but you've forgotten. Hello? You don't want to share your testimony too much because ah, that testimony has cast. You know, something happened to me during reboot camp. I resumed reboot camp with a lump confirmed by doctor. I left without it. And then I was sharing the testimony a lot. And then one voice was telling me, ah, Yusef, is it only this testimony you have? <laughs> this testimony don't they cast? And then the Holy Ghost reminded me, when you were dealing with this issue, it was a daily thing. Was it not? Did you say, ah, it's no longer there because I'm tired of thinking about it. Now see what the Lord has done. I will talk about it forever. Now you go tired. There must be a consciousness about what God has done. This is, a, as I was coming to church today, I passed a, um, a restaurant. In fact, the person I was driving me, I wanted to show him that this is where church used to be, but he wouldn't have noticed it. That was where we used to have midweek service. It's like the size of maybe the lounge in this place. Some of the songs that pastor is singing today came in that place. When you think about celebration, church, even if you don't have anything to thank God for, thank God for us. Nine branches. See what the Lord has done. Some of you, before you started coming to this year, you were not going to church. You were not. Now your prayers are surprised. Ah. Ah. On Sunday, only you walk lots. 6 a.m., they say, church has not started. They say, I'm in ambience. Wednesday, you are leaving the office on time. I need to set up. After church, your friends are calling you. Where you say, I'm setting down. That's your life now. You, before. When you think about what God has done for us as a church, Paul said, I do not cease. I'm never tired. I don't stop. Both publicly and privately, I thank God. 
If you are conscious about celebration, you will have an active prayer life. Because you will think about all the things that God has done, and all of a sudden you will burst out in thanksgiving. In the Ikeja church on Sunday, we did thanksgiving. Three married couples, one baby dedication, one Sunday. There was a time, if they call married people's meeting in church, it's me and, in fact, me and pastor. Then like two other couples, sometimes they will come, sometimes they will not come. But now see what the Lord has done. Some of us laugh at our parents, any small thing, once they want to stand up, ah, it's your law. Any small thing, nothing happened. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Like, mommy, what happened? And then you are like, ah, these people are old. We even use it to make jokes. That they will not stand up without saying thank you. But if you think you might remember, me, I have a personal testimony. There was a time where my mother could not get up. Her leg was spending her for a long time. It was prayer. The doctors didn't know what was wrong. And many of you in your family, you have situations like that. That younger brother that is always asking you for money. There was a time. You were the only child. You were praying, God, give me a younger brother. Give me a younger sister. Your family was praying. Now God did it. But I'll be thankful and give them money. <laughs> Last ones are like, this service is for me. <laughs> but we must be conscious about what the Lord has done. That work, that job that you're saying, toxic work environment. I just want to ask you whether it's more to toxic than supper. There was a time you prayed for that job. When you think about the souls that are saved, that are healed, that are delivered, even when you think about your nation, it's not where you want it to be. That's to put it mildly, somebody appeal. Wow. But we are here. And we are not the only church in this nation meeting at this point in time. Openly. There is a lot to thank God for. So a culture of celebration will lead to a culture of prayer. You are part of a church that celebrates the finished work of Christ. What a joy. We celebrate the triumphant entry of souls into the kingdom. We are going to be celebrating a billion souls in 10,000 cities. And you look and say, ah, I was there. I was there. I was there. So much to be grateful for. In your life, in your family, don't let the devil blind you. There's this meme, it does not really relate, but I just want to say it. Say, now we are rich, you're asking us the source of our wealth. The way we are poor, did you ask us the source of our poverty? <laughs> don't write that down. <laughs> but don't let anybody shame you for the things that you are thankful for. Did you hear me? You have a good relationship. Be thankful. Don't allow men as, men as come gang to make you unthankful. Your parents are alive and well. Be thankful. You have money. You're, you're still entering boats. Maybe not every day. Halfway, halfway. But there was a time when you didn't have money to pay for a bike. Now see what the Lord has done. Glory be to God. 
I want to show you something. First Thessalonians 5 from verse 16. We're going to read 16 to 18 together without a break so that you can see the correlation. Thank you, Dad. Are you ready? All right, once you go. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I will say nothing about screen. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Can you realize that it's one sentence? Do you realize that? So giving thanks is an important part of praying without ceasing. For the person who thinks that prayer is just about their needs, they can't have a prayer life. Every day, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. You'll be tired. But a person who understands that celebration and thanksgiving are one of the most important parts of your prayer life, you will pray. Because every time you close your eyes, there's something God has done. Every single time. Someone said, if you can think, then you can think. And if you can think, then you will have a good prayer life. Praise the name of Jesus. Number three, conviction. It's only fitting that we pray a lot this evening, right? Only fitting that we stare at one another up and we cause some miracles to happen. So we're going to pray today. Number three, conviction. Conviction. And this is such a major ingredient in building a prayer life. You know, some of you, like our pastor said, you close your eyes to pray and the devil is asking you, eh, when last did you pray? I'm praying now. You're asking me, when last did I pray? I don't understand. What do you want me to do with that information? And so the reason why many of us don't pray often is because of the guilt of not praying often. What an irony. You know, I'll never forget, they were having a couple's get-together one time, and my parents were there, and they asked this question. I don't know whether they sent the MC to break homes. So the MC said, when last did you tell your wife you love her? I'm talking about parent generation, do not... So you can imagine problem. So they were asking people, asking people, my father, sharp guy, he just took it to his wife. I love you. <laughs> so when they were asked, when they got to him, he said, I just told her now. <laughs> so when you get to the point where you're praying and the enemy asks you, when last do you pray? Say, I'm praying now. I'm praying now. The Bible says that we should come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find grace and mercy to help in time of need. If you got it all figured out, why would you need grace? But it says you should come boldly. There might be shortcomings. There might be things that God asked you to do that you didn't do. It's in the place of prayer that you get fixed, so come boldly. There must be a conviction, an assurance of the person you are praying to and of who you are in him. Hello? It must be a conviction and assurance that if I pray, when I pray, he hears me. This is the confidence I have. If I ask anything in his, in his name, it's done. And that's why your view about God is so important. Jesus is giving a parable about an unrighteous judge and the woman shows up to him and says, avenge me of my avengers. And the judge is like, okay, I don't fear God. I don't respect my mother because this woman is disturbing me. Then I'm going to avenge her. I'm going to answer her. And so people miss the point of that parable. They assume that God is an unrighteous judge. 
But that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying that if somebody who is wicked can answer, how much more your good God? It's important that you know who God is and who you are in him. If not, the devil will make a mess of your prayer life. Because on times when you're supposed to show up in the place of prayer to cast and bind and send the devil packing, you are standing there and crying because you think God is using, hear me, using sickness to punish you. Hello? God, please. I'm unworthy. If I won't learn anything from this sickness, please take it away from me. No! The Bible says that everywhere Jesus went, he was doing good and healing all who were oppressed of who? Was it of God? So there is a, you have to have the right convictions. That's why attending a good church is important. Who is this God? I want the eyes of my understanding to be enlightened. I want to know the hope of his calling. I want to know the riches of my inheritance in the saints. I want to understand the power at work in me. If you will have a good prayer life, you must. Did I say you should? I said you what? You must have the right convictions. You must have the right convictions. Paul is speaking in 1 Timothy 2 from verse 8. He says, therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up what? Lifting up what? Lifting up holy hands. And some people don't understand that. They're like, no, God, I'm not holy. I be ghetto boy, I'm a sinner. Sorry, that song by Domwen. Have you people heard it before? Like, God won't answer me because he never see. I'm not you. What you say in the place of prayer must be what God says about you. Must be what God says about you. Some people see prayer as a sadistic relationship. Have you ever been in a place worshipping? I know it's not CCI, but you're worshipping. You're enjoying the worship. You're singing a beautiful song. And then somebody comes and ministers and says, you know, in this atmosphere of worship, God's fire is not for nothing. It's also a consuming fire. This is the time to convict yourself of that secret sin. Have you ever been in that situation before? You're worshiping God. Your spirit is being edified. Then somebody comes and presents to you the gospel unto guilt. Have you, have you heard that gospel before? And some people do it maybe because they want the worship to be hot. People will be crying. So you were in a place where the Holy Ghost was working on you already, affirming you of who you are so you can walk accordingly. And then somebody comes and shifts the atmosphere because you see, they want to change it to that song they do when it's time for altar call. You know those altar calls that even the fellowship leaders also come out. Confidence. Confidence. Come boldly. God is not worried that if you know who you are in Christ, you won't have a good prayer life. The prayer will not be tough. Some people gauge the... I don't know what I'm talking about this. They gauge the success of an event 
even a camp meeting for workers or leaders based on how many souls we are received. Hello? God wants you to know who you are in him. Because if you know it, it will work accordingly. Prayer is not time to swear for yourself. If I ever do this again, let epilepsy catch me in the name of Jesus. You must speak like someone who's been saved. You must speak like someone who's been delivered. Father, regardless of my contradictions, I trust you. I trust you. That the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Your grace can teach me that by denying ungodliness and worldly loss, I can live soberly, I can reach, live righteously in this present age. If I pray in tongues some more and I confess who I am some more, and I spend time fellowshipping some more. Things are going to happen. God is going to direct me to somebody who can mentor me and lead me so that I will finally get over the habits. The Holy Ghost is going to work in me to will and to do according to his good pleasure. If you have the right convictions, you will pray more. God hears me. God loves me. Demons bow as my command. Angels and ministering spirits sent forth to minister to me as an heir of salvation. So even when my pastor is not there, I can still send my angels forth. What a conviction to have. What a conviction to have. I don't have to be afraid to pray. I don't have to be ashamed to pray. I don't have to be discouraged to pray because prayer can change things. Prayer is a sure way of changing things. I don't have to be in trouble to pray. I don't have to be out of trouble to pray. There are some things you must know. If you know them in your consciousness, you will pray better. Oh God, our very present help in time of need. I'm in a country where there is no 911, but I can call on Jesus. Our very present help. God hears you when you pray. You must know it. Praise the name of Jesus. What did I say number three was? What did I say number three was? Paul says, I don't cease to give thanks to God for you. He says, I'm praying for you. I pray for you consistently that the eyes of your understanding will be, will be enlightened. And maybe enlightened is too big a word for you. It means that you will, it will be open. You will see. You will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? What is his exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? There's power at your disposal. There's power at your disposal. You might be short. There's power at your disposal. You might have a small voice, but there's power at your disposal. You might not have broad chest, but there's what? Power at your disposal. There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. There's power when you pray. You, you, you. Yes, you. See, I don't understand this church. Before you will see the pastor, you sweat. All these big, big churches, F. Got that one person in your service unit. Pray. Pray and see. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Yemen, a kiss to Sotaya. Hamshati, Kidonghene, Gege Kata. Rembati, Seteke, Tutun Tete. Come on, Eke. I have tasted and I have seen. That power belongs to God. And he lives in me. 
So when I pray, I stir up that power. Zoti parteke sutom bene katabalataya. Rembe sutom bine kesuto. I have enough for the world. Thank you, Father. Number four C, concentration. What did I call it? Pay attention. Pay attention. Concentration. It's true that God can talk to you when you are not even praying. He can converse with you when you are not even praying. But that doesn't mean that you should not have a prayer life. Do you understand what I'm saying? In a relationship, you guys can be doing video. Some people are single, like, no, stop using this example. I'm so sorry. When you're happily married, it's very difficult to. <laughs> oh, it's oh, you got ah, you will marry well. Because people were like, oh, not uh. so it's a good sign. I want to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Divine connections by the Spirit of God. Divine connections by the Spirit of God. On your wedding day, you will remember today. You know, the things of the Spirit are so beautiful. One time, Pastor was giving a joke in a service like this. He was talking about Ronaldo and Messi. And then he said, Oh, is it not by the mercies of God that we are not consumed? And somebody said, But we are Christians. And everybody was laughing. The way you are laughing now, there was a lady there who had been bleeding for months. I think it was the same lady who said, but we are Christians. As she said it, the bleeding ceased. When we come together like this, it's a dangerous atmosphere. It's a, I want to say if you know demons, will beg one them, but you don't know. It's a dangerous, we can be laughing, miracles are happening. It's a dangerous atmosphere. So number four, concentration. So it's true that God can be talking to you, can be doing other things, you guys are on video call, you're working, but there comes a time when you say, let's go on a date. God help you on a serious date, you are pressing your phone. That's a sign you don't want the relationship to last. So there are times, more often than not, where in the place of prayer we must concentrate. The first time I heard that Elijah put his head between his knees when he prayed, I tried it. It's not funny. Have you, maybe you never, have you tried it before? And it was even old. It, even for a young person, it's not funny. But I can't even use it to do an example for you because it's not, even, it's not even funny. I can't even try it now, for example, for one second. But he was so committed to not being distracted. To not being distracted. You know, we live in a multitasking generation. Praying on mixer while liking post Say ah, then you now want to form that CCI that you say, ah, pastor is even in US now. You like it, then you say, ah, thank for devotion, you won't like it back. God is watching you. Concentrate. Do what? You will have more results in the place of prayer if you concentrate. Field exams to teach you that it's not everything you multitask. 
You've tried it before. You saw the results. Now in the place of prayer, you must learn to concentrate. That's all the time to think, ah, I left my clothes outside. Or did I leave them? I didn't even arrange my room. Ah, what's out was singing like this? I don't even know what they're singing. What are PLS are they singing? Why is PLS singing? Eh, this voice is safe. I don't understand. Anyway, Pastor can sing. You have, you have gone far. <laughs> and things are happening in the spirit, but you are not aware. And it's true that your spirit is brilliant. But many times, more often than not, you need your mind to translate what your spirit is saying. So you need to pay attention. You must learn to concentrate in the place of prayer. You've concentrated for more important things. Those of us who watch K-drama, you know from experience, you shouldn't take your eyes off. Because they are writing the subtitles on the screen. The only one you know is Sarange. Every other thing, you're like, ah, you have to read it. If you miss it, you rewind. But when it comes to prayer, many of us have not learned to train our minds. And it's more important. It goes without saying now that it's more important. Concentrate. Tell your neighbor, say concentrate. Put off distractions. God is not sending you a text. Stop pressing your phone. He's not sending you DM. Put your mind down and listen. Listen to what God has to say in the Spirit. Don't allow your mind wander away. Some of us need to practice praying in our understanding as well. Hello? Because some of us use praying in tongues to cheat. Your, your mouth is saying something. Your mind. You forget that God sees everything. Maybe you don't know. Hello? He sees the one in your mind. You, because your, your understanding is unfruitful, doesn't mean your understanding is useless or distracted. So some of us need to go back and also practice. I, says, I will pray in the spirit, I will pray in my understanding also. So of course, to our next and I was referring to interpretation of tongues. But some of us need to train ourselves to pray in our understanding. For the next 10 minutes, I will pray in my understanding alone. It will shock you. Because you can't put together a cohesive thought without thinking. You understand? So if you pray in your understanding more, you will engage your mind. I'm not saying you should pray in the spirit says because some people are only extreme. Ah, that's how she said. That time Pastor went to US. That's how she said. Just one week they allowed her to preach, go back. That's how she said. Pray in your understanding. I want you to rehearse it. Pray in your understanding. Just, just try it. Not now, like when we are in like in your everyday life. Be conscious of the fact that concentration matters. Even when you are praying in the spirit, also concentrate as well. Do you understand? There are heights and dimensions you get to in the spirit that you, you can't get. There's a way, I don't know. Have you ever been praying in tongues that you feel like you've shifted gear? Like that one, it doesn't happen when you are thinking of the person sitting down beside, it doesn't happen like that. Build. Pay attention and build. Pay attention and build. Build up yourself in your most holy faith. Jeremiah is building a physical building and people are coming to distract him. And he says, see, I'm doing a great work here. I don't have time to come down and answer you. Praise the name of Jesus. Number five, C, confidence. Tell your neighbors, say confidence. 
Something happened in Luke chapter 8 from verse 51. Can I take a day? Jesus shows up and the, the girl is dead. <laughs> I'm going to read from verse 52. So he shows up, the girl is dead. Everybody is what? The Bible says that meanwhile, everybody was weeping and mourning for her. Everybody was what? So for, in case we don't know, weeping means what? Crying profusely, right? Everybody was weeping and crying for her. And Jesus says, stop weeping. She is not dead, but what? The Bible says, and they did what? They laughed at him. Some say they ridiculed him. Do you know what it means? Some persons say they laughed him to scorn. Do you know what it means for people to be crying? <laughs> we, not even crying, weeping. The people that are weeping, you just say one thing. Not that you, were, you did stand up. One thing. From, from the tears, they went to laughter. Like, it, it must have been so shameful. Do you understand what I'm saying? Was that, ah, ah. It's one thing for people that are already in a, even people that are in a good mood, it's difficult to make them laugh. Very hard. Like, if I was in Kedjana, there's some things that I would have said, people would just laugh, but this, you have like, mm. But now, these people are crying. Then Jesus says something, and they are laughing him to scorn. They've left the dead girl, her family, everybody's laughing. And Jesus says something. In the midst of that contradiction, in the midst of their laughter, he didn't say, ah, everybody keep quiet, the spirit is about to move now. If you laugh too much, the spirit will not move again. In the midst of that contradiction, he took her by the hand and said, little girl, arise. See, there are some miracles you will not see except you are brave enough to pray in spite of contradiction. There are some miracles you won't see, except you are brave enough to pray in spite of contradiction. Brave enough to say, the doctors have given up on this person with cancer, but I'm going to pray. Did you hear me this evening? That confidence in the name of Jesus, that at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. It doesn't matter what that knee is or what that tongue is. It's subject to the name of Jesus. That confidence must be there. That confidence was when it comes to casting out demons, that confidence must be there. More often than not, when demons are cast out in scriptures, it's never really quiet. They are always crying out with a loud voice. And some of us don't see the miraculous because we're not brave enough. Not because you don't have the power, but because you're not brave enough. See, you don't have a reputation to protect. You are coming in the name of Jesus. So it's on him. Did you hear me? It's on him. It's on him. It's on him. You used to pray for the sick before, and then you stopped. Because one sick person you prayed for died. Can I announce to you, there are more sick people to pray for that will be healed. Ah, I'm so grateful to God that when I lost people I prayed for, I didn't give up and stop praying for the sick. Because you might have lost a parent. I'm so sorry for your loss. But can I tell you something? There is a spouse to pray for in the future. There is a child to pray for in the future. Do you understand me? So many of us are so concerned about what we did not get in prayer in the past. 
and so distracted that we don't realize that the future has more in stock. Get up, dust yourself up and go again. Pray again. Believe again. That, ah, I prayed for my parents' marriage. It didn't work. They are even separated. They don't even talk to each other. Your own marriage is coming. So if you give up, then because of what happened in the past, what's going to happen in the future? The battles you have ahead of you to win are greater than the ones you have behind you that you have lost. So in the place of prayer, you must be confident. Rising up to pray shortly, I'm going to touch the last one and then we'll pray. Are you blessed this evening? Are you blessed this evening? Number six, I call it company. What did I say? Company. And we've touched on this as a church throughout this month. I know we've done it in Yaba, we've done it in all the branches, Ikeja, Island, globally. About what happens when two believers pray together. Paul and Silas are in jail. Not that they invited them somewhere to minister. Do you understand? They are in jail. But as they prayed and sang, they charged the atmosphere to the point where the prisoners that had nothing to do with it, all they did was here. They were also set free. So when we pray together, things happen. No. Prayer is a weapon. Praying together is a strategy. Is a what? It's a strategy. So the person by your side is a key to you having an active prayer life. After this month, as this month is ending, pick your prayer partners. Pick the people that you will be calling or they will be calling you once at 6 a.m. to pray. Pick the people that you will be praying with once a week. But there's something else about company I want to show you. Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read like we have power. Hebrews chapter 12, from verse 22, can we read together and want to go? It says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 23 says, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So it's true that you have physical company, but you also have spiritual company. In other words, when you come to the place of prayer, before you is the testimony of Moses who parted the Red Sea. Before you is the testimony of Abraham who God gave a son in his old age and fulfilled his promise that Christ was going to come through him. Before you is Paul and Silas who opened prison cells. So when you are showing up, you are not just showing up with the testimony of your church members, even though there are many. It's a heavenly Jerusalem. It's the spirit of just men made perfect. It's an innumerable company of angels. Something happened. Elisha is in a difficult situation. In 2 Kings 6 from verse 15, rise to your feet this evening. We're going to pray together. In 2 Kings 6 from verse 15, they sent an army to come and get Elisha. He's an old man with a rod and a cape, it seems. He doesn't have soldiers. And so his, his servant is worried with this old man. Self, why is he not so worried? Why is he not worried? And Elisha doesn't just encourage him. He opens his eyes. 
My prayer to, for you today is what Elisha prayed for his servants. He said, Lord, I pray that you will open his eyes that he may see. And as the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, Bible says that he saw and behold, he did what he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Were those chariots just coming? They had been there all along. Brethren, we have company. We have what? There was a time in school we needed an approval for the ministry. Then it was um, the Triumphant Youth Fellowship. And pastor prayed. And as he prayed in the evening, an angel came and whispered to him. He said, I've done what you asked me to do. So the next day, the lawyer is saying, I have good news for you. Something happened. I was like, so you're not excited. He said, I know. Tonight, there will be confirmations. Angels whispering to you, we have done what you asked us to do. We have company. One prayer point tonight. Father, open my eyes that I may see. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.